identify as a unicorn? Are you unhinged? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Unhinged Unicorns. <laughs> okay. And now we can start. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, then. What, what are we calling this again? Unhinged Unicorns, right? <laughs> We already forgot. Unhinged unicorns. Welcome back to Unhinged Unicorns. Uh, I want you to say it like that every single time. Unicorns. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, welcome to Unhinged Unicorns. This is our very first podcast episode, and we are so glad that you're here. My name is Josh, and I'm here with my co-host, Steph. And uh, we're so glad that you're here with us. So uh, let's just, I wanted to start off this first episode and kind of introduce us to the audience so they can get to know who we are as people and also talk about what we want to do with this podcast. Mm -hmm. So uh, my name is Josh and um, I am an ancient 37 years old. I'm a gay guy living in Florida, which, you know, pray for me. <laughs> because <laughs> there's a lot going on um here in florida right now um yeah and uh i i met steph what we met what three years ago now mm -hmm. yeah i can't believe it's been three years almost four has it really yeah, oh yeah i, I guess I'm pretty so. sure december will well january for us will be four years yeah that's crazy so tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Steph. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, I This is not a 12-step meeting, Steph. This is a podcast. Right. Thank you for letting me share. Um, so Keep coming back. <laughs> yeah, it works if you work it. Um, That's right. Sucks if you don't. So, yeah, it does. <laughs> anyway. What do you have against uh, sucking? You know, a sucking yeah. gets a bad rap. You know, I feel like people use the term like cocksucker as an insult. But for me, it's like a badge of honor. My dad always used that as an insult, which always made me uncomfortable. Yeah, I would imagine so. But for me, I, I, I'm like, um, I'm honored when someone calls me a cocksucker. Like, yes, I am. Thank you very much. I love it when I get called a pussy or a cunt. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's well, right. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, then that means you love yourself, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my yeah. God, that's too funny. You're right, Mom. I am a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I heard the funniest thing. I think it was Betty White who said this. Like, I don't understand why the word pussy is used as like a derogatory term, because right. those things are resilient. They can take a pounding. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just the fact that Betty White said that with her innocent, amazing face. Oh, Betty White is not at all innocent. She comes off as innocent until she opens her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Did you see the um did you see the SNL skit with Betty White where she it was so funny. They were talking about her muffins oh. as if she was like a baker yeah. making muffins 
and they kept talking about how surprisingly moist her muffin was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little, the audience a bit, was losing it. A little bit salty. <laughs> Yeah, it was so funny. I love that. You got to look it up if you have not seen it. It's definitely worth checking out. I remember seeing like a video of her. I think it might have been an SNL sketch or it, it was something else. But um, it was along the lines of like, it's healthy to have like um one glass of wine a day. And it was this huge, giant <laughs> glass, like bigger than her whole body, filled to the brim with wine. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. So you good. know, I, I have to say, whenever they, like right before she died, they made the announcement they were going to be celebrating her birthday. And they were going to do this big, you know, TV special, like celebrating Betty White's 100th birthday. And I... It's like the first thought I had was, wouldn't it be terrible if she died before that airs? Yeah. And then she and died. Then she, she died. Yeah. So really, you killed her. Well, you know, I'm not going to take credit for that. <laughs> I don't want that <laughs> to be. Yeah. I don't want that to be associated with me. I did not kill Betty White. I would, I'm putting that out there in the universe <laughs> that I did not kill Betty White. I yeah. loved her. I want to be her. I loved her too. I want to be her. I want to be that innocent looking old guy. Oh my God. Wait, where's your Bob? My Bob. Your hat. Oh, you want to see the hat? Yes. Hold on. Let me get it for you. While we're talking about Betty. See, this is why. Okay. For those of you who are just listening to the audio version of this, you're not going to be able to see what I'm putting on my head right now. I feel so bad for everyone. But if you, we need to post this online somewhere where people can look it up. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll post this. I don't know where yet, but we will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll add a disclaimer <laughs> to the end of the episode. Um, <laughs> first of all, I just need to tell you, I have a big head. And this thing is very snug. And I'm afraid it's made of foam and I'm afraid that it's going to like rip. Yeah. Every time I put it on, I have to be very gentle. Here, let me shift my camera up so you can see and appreciate it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. It's, oh, my God. It's blurring because I got my blur setting on. But oh, yeah. Isn't that beautiful? So I'm going to describe for those of you who are just listening to the audio version. I have, um, it's, I don't even know where this is from. It's from like a movie or a TV show or something, but it's like, uh, it's basically a head wrap that has a bunch of fruit. So it's got like grapes on it. It's got a pineapple in it, a banana and a bunch of different fruits. And it's beautiful. It's sitting on top of my head. It's made of foam. It's like in the, the cat in the hat movie. That was um, live action. Um, in one of the scenes, he puts on a hat just like that. And he like has these like coconut bra things over his non-existent that boobs. That is what I need. Yes. And I need he a starts, coconut bra. He had like, you know, those uh, things, those little percussive things that you put on your fingers. And when you like wiggle them like this, it makes a little like yeah. sound well he had 
that and he was like doing some kind of like serenade to the kids and stuff. <laughs> and it was so funny. But he had that on and he looked all promiscuous and stuff and was singing some funny. kind of weird song. And that's what I think of whenever I see you with that hat on. It's called a Carmen Miranda hat. Carmen Miranda. Yeah. I think that's who originated this look. But um yeah. I feel like I should like read tarot while wearing this. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. Like it's and it's fruity tarot, so Oh yeah. We love you like girl Girl, yes. Girl and he's got these big big old <laughs> hoop earrings. Don't I look mm-hmm. fabulous in it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hold on. Let me I'm gonna look at you through my third eye. <laughs> Closes oh, your two eyes. Yeah. That's because I'm looking at you through my third eye. Yeah. What am Mm. I doing? That's not appropriate to be doing right now. Steph. (laughs) (laughs) You're making me blush over here. Stop it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was epic. Totally. So we decided to start this podcast, what, like a year ago we've been talking about doing this? <laughs> it's been 84 years. <laughs> yes, it has. Um, and for various reasons, we have yet to officially start. But um, one of the big issues was that we couldn't settle on a name. I think we've been tossing name ideas around for like nine months. It is so hard to name a podcast. We finally gave birth to unhinged unicorns. (laughs) (laughs) Why do your unicorns sound like goats? I don't know. (laughs) Like not just goats, but baby goats. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's great. But like all the good names are already taken or the ones that aren't taken I just wasn't in love with them or they were too inappropriate. <laughs> they were so lame. We used chat. What is it? Chat BT or something. Oh, the chat. What is it? GPT or GBT? Oh, it's AI GBT. anyway. Yeah. It's some kind of AI thing. And oh my God, they were hilarious. They were hilarious. Maybe there we was, should go through some of those names. Yeah. One and of just the, share some of them. One of the was, honorable mentions that came to a close second was the gay giggle factory. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Hold on, let me see if I can find that again cuz it was They were so funny. It was There were good. some that were just like absolutely preposterous. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Of course I'm not and finding it. They were it. really long too. It's like um a journey to the ends of the world of spirituality. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's explain why, like why it was coming up with some of those names, because the the whole purpose for this podcast is that we want to be able to discuss LGBTQIA issues. We want to um, talk about people with who are trying to overcome like eating disorders or other mental health issues um, and just, you know, pursuing spirituality or a quest to better ourselves and we wanted this to be a space where we can talk about all of that and so when we were looking for name ideas with this ai feature uh we put all of that information in and so it was coming up with some really random stuff 
but it was pretty good. I like what we settled on though. And we came up with that ourselves. Like we, it wasn't named by AI. Right. I think that's like the best part of this is that it, it came from us and not from trying to put in some keywords onto like a program. Exactly. I know we at one point had talked about naming it uh, a wholesome experience. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I like unhinged unicorns better. Yeah. And it's, it's also like, it's so broad, like for us that like, it doesn't limit us for what um our what an audience can expect, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Because it can so mean so many reaching. different things. Exactly. Yeah. But yes, we are unhinged unicorns. We really are unhinged and yeah. we are unicorns. Am yes, I right, lady? Am I right, ladies? Yes, we are. <laughs> uh, yes. So. so do we want to share with the audience how we met? Yeah. Yeah. So it was almost like I think it right now it's about three and a half years ago. Um we both went to a treatment center in Florida and we went there for our eating disorder slash other addictions that mm-hmm. some of us possess. And mm-hmm. um and I I remember you came into like you were in the the male's house and I was in the female's house and you would come over. You guys would come over for meals. And right. one time I think you were like, I think you just weren't feeling it or you were just kind of upset or something. And I, <laughs> I cannot. Yeah. For the <laughs> life of me, I cannot tell you why I when I walked by you. I whispered in your ear, gay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like to this day, I still don't know where that came from. But that was the the sprouting of our relationship (laughs) as it is today. Three and a half years later, a whirlwind romance. (laughs) (laughs) It was so funny. It was great. I just remember being intimidated by you when I first met you. Really? Because so this treatment center that we went to, they had this, they do a lot of group therapy. And one of the groups they do is called accountability group. (laughs) An accountability group, the whole premise behind this is that they get the whole group of people who are in treatment together in one room and they sit in this big circle. And then it's basically a time where we call each other out on things that we're observing, like behaviors that we're observing. And you were ruthless in accountability (laughs) group. I mean, you would just like you would just lay it all out there and you would not hold back. And I just remember being like, I do not want to piss her off or get on her bad side because (laughs) I don't want her coming after me in accountability group. (laughs) Oh, you know, it it was never because someone like annoyed me or pissed me off or, you know, got on the wrong side or whatever. It was because they're all being fucking stupid. (laughs) They're like, they had the opportunity of a lifetime by having insurance enough to cover them or family willing to pay out of their pocket for them to get better and not die on the streets. And I was, I think it really stemmed from just like 
this anger at like their unwillingness to to just work hard and do it because well on the other hand i also know when you're not ready it's pointless anyway um to do that and you're wasting money regardless but on the other hand i remember just seeing so many people who were like crying and just so like upset that they were being forced to leave because they couldn't afford to be there anymore and it's like there are so many people who actually want this yeah. they want to get better yeah and, it and just, treatment isn't available to everybody no and it's you know? it's really a shame and people get kicked out after sometimes a few days 15 days they don't even last the whole 30 mm-hmm. and it's it's really I we should like do an episode just on like how what a joke like in health insurance is that it just gets me going not in a good way am I right ladies (laughs) am I right ladies (laughs) well we'll we'll pull out the soapbox and let you stand on it and rant for a while thank you yeah, this yeah, is like real serious. Huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, no, I get it because I'm in a situation right now where, you know, recently I I had decided I wanted to go back into a treatment program because I've been struggling with my food and, yeah. you know, I was in a car accident a couple of years ago and since then I've gained a lot of weight back and I was just in a place where I felt like I was starting over again, um, and so I had decided to go back into treatment, which in and of itself is a big decision to get to that point where you're willing to go into treatment. Like that's a big deal because it means, you know, not working for a month or longer in some cases. Uh, For me, it means, you know, not being able to pay my bills, you know, if I go into treatment. So that was a big commitment to, uh, to, to be willing to do that. But I have not been able to find a treatment program that will take me either. My insurance doesn't cover it or, the treatment centers themselves have denied me getting into treatment. So I just decided that it was time to kind of get back to the basics um, with what I do already know about my eating disorder. And so, you know, I've been doing that for the last uh, week and a half now. And so far, you know, I'm feeling a lot better. I'm feeling a lot more positive about the situation and, and, you know, where I'm at with my recovery, but it is definitely a struggle And I get what you're saying about people who do get into treatment and don't take it seriously, you know, because I saw a lot of that too, but not everybody's ready. You know, sometimes it's the family who's making them go to treatment and they're just not quite there yet. Yeah. And you know, that that's the case a lot of the time too, where people will come in and out, in and out. um, And it's like, we push for people to keep coming back like no matter what. And there, there are just people who aren't ready. I know that for me, um, before coming into the rooms that, uh, December, 2019, I don't think I would have been ready for any sort of like long-term recovery before then. Like I, I used to get all upset about not finding like OA or ED recovery sooner than I did. Um, which, you know, it's really not bad that I found it when I was like in my early twenties, um, like barely 21. 
when I when I came into the rooms. Um, but. But now I don't I don't see it that way because I know myself and who I was then that I was unwilling to do anything to help myself until it came to the point where I like acknowledged out loud to my therapist and to my mom that like I don't want to live. I just I was getting by white knuckling through life and I literally told my mom that uh, what I did with my food was like the slowest suicide ever. Mm -hmm. I can relate to that because that's kind of that's kind of how I have felt, especially lately. And like I was introduced to the rooms of recovery back in 2007, the first time. And at that time I was 22. So I was like around your age um, when you came to treatment. And, you know, the subsequent 15 years since then, I've been in and out and back and forth and up and down. And, you know, like I've struggled a lot yeah, um, with the food, like the, the, my food addiction has been my number one addiction from when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's always the, the number one thing that I struggle with. And I've struggled with other substance abuse as well, but the food it always comes back to the food you know yeah but i just i feel like i'm at a stage in my life where i've spent the last several years living life watching other people live life through a tv screen yes and i decided that i don't want to live my life watching other people live and just you know sitting on my couch because that's what i was doing mm-hmm. you know um and that's just not a way to live. The, to me, that's not living. That's just existing. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm at a stage now where it's like time to get out of the house, start interacting with people in the real world, um, and start living my life. Yeah. Vicariousness doesn't work for me anymore. It gets, yeah. it's been getting really old and... That's that's why I try to stay off of TikTok too much, uh, because when during the pandemic, I would go on there a lot and I would look at like I would obviously be on the lesbian TikTok, but I would see so many like. Wait, pop- <laughs> are you a lesbian? <laughs> um, I have a confession to make. Yeah. I'm gay. Oh my god! <laughs> I know. <laughs> I I'm sure my my short sleeved rolled up shirt <laughs> and one earring in my ear and very short haircut told you that I was a femme. Um, you know, straight girl. It actually fooled me because <laughs> I thought. I'll be the, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought that you were gay and I mistakenly assumed when I needed a drill (laughs) to assemble a desk, I reached out to you thinking that surely she would have a drill. (laughs) She is a lesbian after all, but you know what? I was shocked to discover that you know nothing about mechanics or tools or 
anything that normal, quote unquote, normal lesbians know about? I think I'm the straightest lesbian. Oh, oh are you? <laughs> and let me explain by this. <laughs> yes, I, please. <laughs> I do not have a membership to Lowe's or Home Depot. Um, I do not have a utility belt or overalls. I do really want overalls, though. I just you should not, definitely get. A I pair just of... can't find a size good. I for think me, you but... should do the overalls that have like the shorts. Yes, those are the ones I want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah. like I like just did a gay thing just now. But yeah, that was totally gay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You gay yeah. gasped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when you were asking me to help you like i think it was about a tv or i was trying to install something yeah it was my i had a desk that i was trying to install this uh computer <laughs> monitor thing for and i was trying to screw it into the, the the desk and i don't know how to do that i'm not good with tools i am not good with following directions (laughs) (laughs) that ladies and gentlemen (laughs) is an understatement (laughs) let me just say how bad it is by this so my apartment came with a crappy no uh pressure like shower head and i found out i could take it off and get my own and I could not undo the shower head from the thing. Even when I got tools, I still could not do it. (laughs) So I asked my stepfather if he could please venture out to Tampa. And he told me to tell the maintenance man at my apartment complex to do it. And I've done that not once but twice. <laughs> Excellent. Because <laughs> I See, changed I, units. <laughs> I don't have the luxury where I live of having a maintenance person. And I yeah. invested <clears throat> as a good gay. I invested in <laughs> a shower enema system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that I can thoroughly power wash my asshole. But I have not been able to install it <laughs> because number one, I don't have a maintenance person. And number two, I'm too embarrassed to ask anyone that I know number in real two. life. <laughs> I did say number two. <laughs> it's kind of like saying duty. <laughs> duty. Yeah. And we're talking about butt stuff. <laughs> we are. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, number two (laughs) I don't want to ask anyone that I know in real life to come and install this thing that I'm going to shove up my asshole and clean out my insides you know what I mean it's kind of like an intimate thing totally and you already know I can't do it I know I already asked you you're the only person I know that I'm comfortable enough to ask to help me with something like that yeah and you failed me. I know. I know. I failed. I failed a whole like t- generation. <laughs> uh, yes. Of lesbians. 
yeah. all of the butch. Li- you know, I kind of identify as like um, a, a gay twink who is also a lesbian because I feel like I'm like, yes. And I like I do that little gay hand thing mm-hmm. where. Yeah. And I'll just be like, oh, my God. <laughs> You are kind of like a twink boy. I am. (laughs) (laughs) So for the audience only listening, right when he said that, I said, I am. And I put both hands on my cheeks in such a gay way. Yeah, that was pretty gay. That was gay face. Yeah. Gay face. Yeah. Gay face. Yeah. People put on their face. I do gay face. Gay face. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we're friends. When I first met you, though, I had no idea that our friendship was going to evolve in the way that it has. Me either. Like, Me no clue either. whatsoever. I was kind of, I don't know. I was, especially that first couple of weeks in treatment, I was kind of bitchy. I didn't. Like, looking back on it, I can't even, like, remember, like, or recall you being bitchy. I was, though. I remember I went off on one of the house managers several times, but one of the times was because they didn't have a seatbelt extender in the van, and Mm. the regular seatbelt wouldn't fit me. And I'm like, you're a treatment center for fat people, and you don't even have a seatbelt extender? Like, what the fuck? I was so annoyed by that. <laughs> You're a treatment for fat people. Yeah, you can't even handle that. What the fuck? I was where's, really annoyed. Where's your airplane accommodations? <laughs> and then one of the other house managers, oh man, she really upset me because they came back from a meeting late and we do this thing called Meta, which stands for metabolic snack. And it's like a snack that you have at bedtime. And so we would always have to do this after the the group came back from the meeting. And on this particular night, the meeting was a late meeting. And so the van got back late. And why this was such an issue for me is because I also had to do evening meds. And that whole process was such a pain in the ass because you'd have to go down to the office and wait in a line and then finally get your meds. And because we would eat meta, we had to be up for 30 minutes before we could go into our house. And so like the later we did meta, the later it was before I was able to go to bed. And then I was not used to being up early because I'm a night owl. And especially before coming to treatment, I was staying up until two, three in the morning. So there in treatment, like we had to be up at like seven o'clock in the morning, like super early. So anyway, I was cranky because they came back late from the meeting And the house manager, instead of coming right over to do meta with us, was in the office eating. And I could see her from across the way. And so I marched my ass over there (laughs) and I banged on the window and I was like, are we doing meta sometime tonight? (laughs) (laughs) And then then she comes over and the whole time that I'm in there prepping, I'm just bitching. I'm like ranting, like just going off like I'm going to talk like I'm going to go tell the manager on Monday and da 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 da. And I was just. Like, fuck this and fuck that. No, no, no. I was just, and she was right there, like a few feet away from me, just listening to me rant. God, I was, I was miserable. That's really, that's what it boiled down to is that I was so miserable and unhappy with myself 
Yeah. That I was like taking it out on the people around me. And that's not typically how I act, you know, like I try to be kind to people and, you know, spread joy and laughter and stuff. But man, I was bitchy. Yeah. I mean, I I tend to be really bitchy when I'm agitated and I get like really upset, like much more quickly. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I need to calm down. Or like a lot of times at work, I'll get like, it'll get overwhelming. And cause I, I actually work at that treatment center that I attended and, um, as a house manager myself and, um, a lot of times it can get overwhelming, overstimulating and just, it, it could just be too much. And sometimes I'll have to be like, all right, can you please go prep a meal with the ED people? Because I just, I cannot handle, I cannot tolerate what I could usually tolerate in a different headspace right now. And sometimes I have to do that and I'll be like, I'll kind of feel bad and I'll be like, I'm sorry. Like I, I know that we all need to do our jobs no matter what, but like sometimes I just need a little break so that I don't explode like on the outside. I've learned how to set boundaries with people, you know, and I didn't know how to do that before. I was such a people pleaser all the time. Mm hmm. That I just, you know, I would do whatever people asked me to do. And then I would get resentful at them because I didn't feel appreciated for what I was doing. And I was stretching myself way too thin, you know. Um, But that was because I didn't know how to say no to people. Right. Like Like that was your part. Yeah. And like with family members, even like I'd have to set boundaries with people, you know, because sometimes people treat me in a way that, you know, I didn't used to stand up for myself, but like now I've learned how to do that, um, which is, it's hard to do. Yeah. No, it, it really is. Like I, I am very codependent and I am a huge people pleaser and I've always been that person that has walked on eggshells around people. And I was actually talking about this earlier today um with a friend and and with my sponsor about how like um i feel like when i'm like walking on eggshells it's because like i'm i'm like desperately seeking approval or acceptance from someone and like if it's a boss or if it's like my mom or a parent or even just like someone that I respect at work or in any kind of situation, it's like, I want to make sure that I am like the best in their eyes. Mm, And it's mm -hmm. like putting, putting myself and them on this pedestal where it's like, it, it makes me into a version of myself where I think that I should be perfect and, and then berating myself and cutting myself down when I make, a very human like error or mistake or you know maybe not even a mistake maybe that's too strong of a word for just you know being human and um maybe not pleasing everybody god forbid i don't right. please everybody right <laughs> <laughs> yeah Jesus. i can relate because i i've been in that situation many many times you know and i also struggle with the perfectionism side of it and i it's like i hold myself at a different 
level than I hold everybody else. Like with other people, when they struggle, you know, I'm like, oh, it's okay. You know, like I'm very understanding. (laughs) You're only human. Like it's okay. And then me, I make the same mistake and I'm like, I just need to die. (laughs) (laughs) You stupid piece of shit. How could you even think about it? Nobody loves me anymore. They're all going to hate me. I'm going to die alone and all that shit. And it's literally like I forgot to buy milk at the store. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I read this um, quote that really resonated with me when it comes to boundaries. And I thought of this when you were talking earlier. But it says, and this is a quote from someone named Prentice Hemphill. It says, boundaries are the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously. Mm, I like that. Yeah. So it's like there's times where the people who I've had to set boundaries with, I've allowed myself to like adjust those boundaries and let them get a little closer to me. And then there's times where I'm like, oh, we've gone too close. We need to back that up a little bit, you know, because (laughs) because I don't I don't let people take advantage of me in the way that I used to, Mm -hmm. you know. And I think that was one of the things that, that as a people pleaser, I would let people walk all over me. Yeah. So I've learned that no is a complete sentence. I don't have to explain Mm -hmm. myself. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And. Especially like I think for people like us where at least for me, I feel like I've been compensating my whole life thinking that being fat was like a terrible thing that I had to make up for in other ways where I'd have to be the funniest person in the room or have some kind of redeeming quality as if the size of my body needed something to be redeemed for. and. Mm. Um, you know, and I, I would like use that a lot to distance myself from others, but also to, you know, to people please and to make sure, oh my God, they have to like me because then they're not going to, it's like putting myself down first in front of everyone so that nobody else does it first. Oh, I totally do that. Like. (laughs) I know Even now, <laughs> I have so many, like, just little jokes that I make at my own expense, you know? Like, I have a whole arsenal of them. <laughs> I said arsenal. <laughs> arsenal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I do. I have a, a, a whole, just a whole bunch of those kind of jokes that I make at my yeah, own expense. because it's like, oh, they're all thinking it, so I might as well right. just say it. But I think that there is some truth, and I hate to say this, but the, there is some truth to you know, larger people in the world, especially like in the workforce, exper- yeah. like experiencing discrimination or not getting promotions yeah. or being looked over or taken advantage of, you know, because the world, and I hate to say this, but the world kind of looks down on, on big people. They totally do. So I, I feel like that's where the perfectionism kicked in for me is because I felt like I had in order to be, you know, considered for promotions or for even just getting the job, I had to like go above and beyond. Like I had to be the best of the best in order to be considered the same level as, you know, someone who's a normal body, but does subpar work. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
I think that's where that kind of philosophy kind of kicked in for me. I, you know, I dated a guy. Um, I dated a guy who was a black guy and that really opened me up to a different perspective too, because he would experience racism in the workplace. And there was one time where he said that he felt like in order to be even considered at the same level as his white counterparts, that he had to like overperform and he had to be on his absolute best behavior at all times and could never like express frustration or, you know, like the normal emotions that we go through in the workplace. Right. If he, he felt like if he ever expressed himself to be frustrated with the situation or whatever, it's like, it would be like he would be looked at in a different kind of way. And so I think in in some kind of ways I can relate a little bit to that with my body in the workplace, you know, being a larger guy, because I've experienced that kind of thing. I've experienced people, you know, either making comments behind my back and it being brought to my attention, um, you know, just stuff like that. I've just, and it's uncomfortable. It makes me mm-hmm. uncomfortable for the last several years, I've really kind of stayed in my house. I don't really go out a whole lot, you know, and I, I feel like when I do go out, a lot of times people stare at me and I, it just makes me very uncomfortable to go and exist in the world. Yeah. Yeah. There's like this need to prove myself um, and show that I'm worthy even though I'm big and it's like I think that's the problem right there thinking that I have to prove myself or make up for the fact that I'm fat and it's just I don't know it sounds so silly like when I say it out loud but that's how my mind has worked for like the past 20 odd years um of my existence is just constantly you know, it's like what we learn, what I have learned um, in society and in school and from other like people is that it's not OK to be fat. It's not cool and it's not pretty. It's not beautiful. And there's always been this drive in me to diet and lose weight, not only because I needed it for my health and for my well-being, but in order to to feel like worthy mm-hmm. of life and stuff. And when I'm getting into a maintenance stage of, I don't know, like maintaining a healthy body weight, it still creeps into my mind that I need to I need to do more and I'm still not worthy with what I see in the reflection. You know? And and I'm yeah. starting to see what thinner people deal with, right. you know, because nothing will ever be enough. Right. Well, and that's the thing that I've learned over time. Like, I always thought that if I, you know, if I had like that model body, you know, that I would be, I'd right. be happy. I could just walk around naked all the time. Everybody would <laughs> worship me, you know, but I have made friends with people who have bodies like that. And I've discovered that they are just as insecure as I am, just on a different extreme. And I think that I have had to develop the personality that I have today 
because of the body that I'm in. Yeah. You know, and so I guess that's a perk, maybe, I guess, you know, because like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I have a very colorful personality. Um, and I've this is not a knock against those people, but some of the people that I've known who have, you know, like the the world's definition of a classically beautiful body. They haven't had to develop a personality like that because yeah. people just they people just give them everything like and I'm not yeah. saying they they're given everything, but I'm just saying like people treat people differently when they do pretty privilege. Yeah. But also, too, on the flip side of that, I feel like people always view those people as like a piece of meat. And mm. so. I yeah. think it's harder to develop authentic relationships for those people because there's always this question of like, what does this person want from me? Like, are right. they trying to get to know me, the person, or are they trying to get me the abs? Yeah. That, the body. Yeah. I mean, like look at Taylor Lautner, you know, um, when he was doing all that oh, stuff. I have. For- I've definitely looked at Taylor Lautner. <laughs> <laughs> many many times <laughs> I have too yeah I oh, don't know yes. what the hype is about um <laughs> same yeah Taylor who anyway <laughs> well I I just think about people like him and maybe like Krim Krim Chris Hemsworth and mm-hmm. um you know other in Zac Efron and Vin Diesel and people with like buff bodies that like women love to see shirtless and naked on screen um and how they have said a lot of times they just felt like a pair of abs or like muscle and how it just it's very demeaning yeah yeah i i would imagine it would be hard like having been exposed to that perspective and seeing how like insecure my friend was like he had a perfect body but he was so insecure and he was constantly posting like thirst trap photos and trying to get validation and stuff you know and like it just was eye-opening to me that it's like wow I'm not the only one with insecurities even though like from me like my perspective he looks amazing he was just mm-hmm. as insecure. And then he's spending hours in the gym and like denying himself of, you know, certain foods and, you know, just being really hard on himself because he wanted to maintain this image. So, you know, the struggle, no matter what the body size is, I think there's struggle there. And I think for me, why I want to do this podcast is to have conversations like this. Mm-hmm. So that we can, you know, learn from each other's perspectives because we're all on this journey called life, you know, <laughs> and we only get one of them. So I want to yep. make the best of it and I want to improve myself and and learn from other people. So, yeah, um, I, with that, I think we will wrap up this first episode. But uh, please, yeah. please listen. Please come back and join us. Uh, we're going to be posting these uh, weekly. So until next time. We'll see you later. We'll see you later. (laughs) (laughs) If you like this episode and want to hear more, please visit our website at unhingedunicorns.com. You can also support this podcast and access member-only content by visiting patreon.com forward slash unhingedunicorns. 